is life predestined or do we have any sort of agency? That's a deep question to ask, especially for those that are interested in divination and understanding the journey of life. Even if everything is predestined and we've got zero agency, where we can find control, where we can find a semblance of agency is in the way that we choose to perceive things. You know, you can choose to see Saturn and Pluto as these big bad bullies, or you can choose to see them as teachers that help you to evolve. And when you choose that perspective, it's a game changer. Welcome to the Embodied Mystic Podcast, where we explore the path of feminine awakening and luscious womanhood. Together, we'll be diving into topics like sacred sexuality, feminine embodiment, spiritual healing, and soulful relationships. I'm your host, Tamara Fayel, tantric mentor and Aries hype girl, here to guide you back to the temple of your body and fall in love with being a woman. I look forward to journeying together. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Embodied Mystic Podcast. I'm thrilled to have Krista Marie Starr here with us today. She is such a phenomenal woman and an incredible astrologer. I had the pleasure of having a session with her recently. I had my solar return done with her and it was amazing. So welcome, Krista. I'm so happy to have you. Thanks, Tamar. So happy to be here. So I am such a huge fan of astrology. I've always loved it. Um, I used to find my horoscope when I was a little girl in the magazines <laughs> that I used to read. And I I don't know why. It seems like some of us just really love astrology and some of us are really connected to it. And then other people... Um, don't get it, think it's not scientific, um, have all these doubts. I think it's become, um, yeah, maybe a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, a thing that some people think is uh, basic, which I totally disagree with, you know, I totally (laughs) disagree with, but I know that you have a really deep relationship with astrology and the entire chart so I'm so curious to hear about your journey with astrology like how did you get started um well you know I think very similar to you when I was a little girl I would like look at there was these things that I got in Canada that's where I'm from where you, you can get your your so I'm a cancer son so you can get these little things all rolled up in a tube and it costs like a dollar or something and then you would roll it out and it was like once a month these like rolled out things of like you're all about your astrology for that month um I remember getting them at the corner store and I was raised a Christian and it was felt really kind of naughty and there's several times where I even felt a little bit guilty about it but I was always really curious about that um I was curious about a lot of the things in the esoteric realms and astrology was definitely not the first part of my study in terms of the esoteric. Um, I would consider myself uh, actually more proficient or more like well-versed in tarot and in um, the sort of mystic arts of, of like pagan mysticism that come from my own ancestry even more so than astrology. But astrology has been kind of like this really interesting thing that I've always read about and learned about and, and, 
all my friends who I have many friends who are also astrologers. So we'd always be having conversations and um, like learning and asking questions. And um, for me, I'm, I'm also a lover of maps, which I'll talk about a great deal in this, in this, in our conversation today. Um, Like when I was a little girl, actually, even today, I love to read fantasy novels and the, my favorite kinds of stories are the ones where you have the map at the front where you're able to like, you know, like, where's Frodo now? And you go flip yeah. to the front of the book and you're like, oh, he's right here. Okay. He's got a long way to go before he gets to Mortar. Oh shit. You know, and you're um, following along that way. And I find that things like tarot, for example, is kind of like the path of the soul from, from the fool to the world and the sort of things that you're able to experience that kind of give you these um, symbolized, codified, like snapshots of human experience that you can use as a tool in the minor arcanas and the major arcanas is like archetypal energies of the evolution of spirit. And then when it comes to astrology, like it's a map, you know, like your chart is, is a map. Um, and so I find it endlessly fascinating. And even when I have looked at my own chart, like a thousand million times and I'm still discovering new things about it and new things about myself. And that's to me like thrilling and fascinating. Um, I, I love, I love the great mystery. I love the unknown. I love to, and I, I, I kind of want the unknown to remain the unknown so I can continue to explore it. And astrology is kind of like that. There's, there's no ending to the unknown to explore, which is exciting to me. <laughs> Totally. I love, I mean, yeah, for me, astrology has been an informal study. I guess since I was a little girl, I just slowly got pieces and pieces and pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it feels like one of those lifelong passions where Mm -hmm. I'm just like always curious. And I love, like, I love getting solar return readings from different people and having different people look at the chart. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, there's just infinite amounts of information in that little circle yes absolutely I totally agree with that um having different perspectives and different voices and different viewpoints uh it's it's immensely immensely helpful even for myself I read tarot for like for a living I read charts for a living and still I go to readers and I go to other people um because their perspective is is it's like you can't look at your own eyes, you know. You have to have something to mirror it to you. Um, so I, I totally agree with you on that. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, um, Krista, you're definitely, in my eyes, an embodied mystic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love having people on the podcast and being able to say, like, yep, you are an embodied mystic. Like, thank you for being here. <laughs> You, you know something kind of funny, actually? Mm. Um, when you told me the name of your podcast, I kind of had a bit of a giggle. Because um, I've been creating a, a school, like a mystery school, um, that I've called Temple of Wild Light, School mm. of Embodied Mysticism. <laughs> and so when you told me your name is like the embodied mystic, I'm like, well, yeah, that I will definitely, that is something I definitely want to be a part of. Uh-huh because <laughs> there is this thing and you know actually um earlier today when I was like uh contemplating what I would want to talk about uh, on this podcast with you today and I was thinking about that term embodied mystic and how actually radical it is for these times um because most people are not embodied 
And most people have completely lost touch with spirit, with, with the esoteric, with like the unseen realms, with like, with the deeper aspects of, of reality. And, um, people live in a very sanitized, very, um, dull, structured, like un, unexplored life. And that's to actually awaken into the body is to awaken into spirit. Like the two are not separate. Hmm. The, the tradition of yoga that I come from is Kashmir Shaivism, where we understand that actually your body is is um, vibrating at just denser frequency than your spirit. That actually they're on a spectrum; that they are two two of the same thing. They are two of the one, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love the name of your podcast. I fully resonate. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Thank you, love, and yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely feel it's, um, I mean, in some way it's like embodied and mystic. Like when we think of what a mystic is, there's this tendency to really, um, yeah, like to go into those upper chakras and for everything to be very ethereal and expanded. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think like to hold that and to really journey in those realms and to also maintain this like strong connection with the root and with earth and our body and to do the work with our sexuality and to do the work with our power and to just stay grounded like that's a lot of people trip up there oh 100 percent like 100 percent um you know i i've been in the you know the the industry of spirituality and 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 healing and teaching for you know 13 years now like i've been teaching yoga and working in trauma and doing like um you know counseling work and as well as diving deeply into the more mystic arts of you know magic and astrology and ritual and ceremony and all of that and what you see often is 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 two things with people is in that in this realm is like on the one hand there's lots of people who can go up and out they can go into these really mystical states where they're like their third eye is blown open and they're talking all the talk they can you know they're wearing all the feathers and dripping in crystals and you know but their capacity to actually function in their life is very minimal and they have all this un, unprocessed trauma and they have all of this like their relationships are mess, and they can't handle their their finances. Yeah, it's just all upper chakras. Um, but you also see this this element where people ca- are constantly regurgitating their trauma. Like I worked in as a trauma therapist for years and years, and the amount of times like people were just coming back again and again and again and again and again and again, and like they lose decades of their life to constantly purging out their their trauma and their darkness and. What I've learned is that, like, you know, well, first of all, (laughs) like, once you've done healing your trauma, then you have your ancestors' trauma, and then you've got your karmic past life trauma, and then you've got the trauma of your culture, and then you've got the trauma of humanity, and then you've got the trauma of all of history. It's, like, literally never-ending. Like, we can do that work endlessly. Mm -hmm. and. And so you, so you can you know, bury your head in the sand and try to avoid it all, or you can actually learn how to embody um, like fully and completely the aliveness of, of 
like the full spectrum of life and attends to things that need to be attended to um, while still, yeah, staying grounded and embodied, dealing with the things that you need to deal with, opening up to different states of consciousness, you know, seeking, asking questions like, what is God? Why are we alive? Why are we here? What's my purpose in life? And just to kind of tie it back into astrology is this is one of the things that like I love about looking at a chart because a chart, if you look at a person's chart, if you, like, it looks like a, um, so for, the, for those that are listening right now, your astrology chart is like this big circle. It looks like a pie and it's divided into these 12 quadrants that are called houses and the line that's on the horizon or the line that goes straight across, it sets what's called your rising sign or your ascendant on the left, and then the right is called the descendant. And that is literally the horizon line on the earth. So talking about, like, this is a map of the stars, but it's a map of the stars in relation to the earth. So you can see that actually the idea of embodied mysticism is exactly what an astrology chart is. It is the the stars or the esoteric realms as expressed from the perspective of somebody on the earth at the moment of their birth. So I think that's also like a really cool way of understanding and like looking at a chart and looking at the like, you know, the, the, um, yeah, looking at the, the, it's like the microcosm to the macrocosm. Like Mm. we, we, we are spirit in form. We are, like consciousness embodied or rather our bodies are like living consciousness themselves mm-hmm. and like our astrology then in the macrocosm is that we are like the earth is our body and the stars are like yeah the thing that helped to map us out <laughs> so gorgeous mm-hmm. i'm like beaming <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I just, I loved that visual of the chart that you gave. So yeah, Krista, for someone who is longing to, yeah, like find some support on their spiritual journey, on their soul path and want to look to the stars, like they want to learn from what astrology has to offer where can they start? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I like to, again, I'm a huge fan of maps and I love to make things simple. I'm also a teacher by nature, so I can do a bit of teaching here. Um, so there's like two routes that you can go when it comes to astrology. One is that you can learn how to read a chart yourself. And that's pretty awesome. And I'll speak to like, what is a basic beginner way that you can like look at a chart and make sense of it? And what can you, what what are some things that you can begin to work with now that will start to develop your skills with that? Um, But then the second route you can do is you can just find an astrology to work with, you know, and that's also really awesome. Like not everyone. (laughs) Well, you don't need to, like not everybody needs to learn everything. Like I find like architecture really fascinating. I love looking at really amazing buildings. Do I need to know everything about architecture for me to appreciate it? Well, no, you know, so there's, there's a different, there's different pathways I can um, along this. And so I just want to like put it out there that not everyone, you can love astrology and not need to know everything about it. You can still like, yeah, like dabble into it. That's totally wonderful. Um, but for those that want to kind of learn a little bit, um, so let's start with just like how to look at a chart and how to, um, and what is a chart? You know, when, why do we even want to look at a chart? Um, 
Now, typically people have gone to astrology readings for the most part, like historically, um, for divination, for learning about what's going to happen. Another way, and in more modern times, we've kind of um, done a bit more of the psychological, like from the birth of like psychology has come of like looking at astrology through the lens of the psyche and like the lens of, um, you know, different aspects of personality that we can embody and, you know, that sort of deal. Um, but the way that I personally like to look at a chart in the way that me and you have spoken about before is that it is the the map of the architecture of the soul. So as your spirit comes into form, it needs to take some some shape. And the shape that it takes is through um, you know, these imprints of experiences that you might want to call samskaras or karma from like the Indian um, traditions of, of, uh, of perspective or also in Buddhist, we, we talk about that also. Um, and then we have all the different you know, qualities that we've perhaps experienced in p- previous lifetimes. Or, you know, if you want to go down into that, you don't have to believe in past lives in order to appreciate astrology. But if it's something that you want to explore, that's that's there, too. You know, mm. there's different. It's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating, too. And like, it's really, really cool. Really cool, too, is when you start to do sinistry charts, when you're looking at one person's chart against another person's chart, and you can see where they might have had past lives and, like, what their work is in this lifetime together. It gets really cool. Sometimes I geek out and, like, um, we'll just look at random people's, like, like charts and be like, I wonder, like, you know, just because it's oh my fun. God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. so here for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we have this chart. It looks like a pie, and it's divided into 12 um, you know, sections that are like aspects of self or aspects of life that we can experience. And then you have what are called, like, or like, do I want to go into that? Yeah, we have the planets. So we have your sun, your moon, your rising. So those are the three that most people um, have at least a, a basic understanding of. And then you have Mars, Mercury, and Venus, and those are more of again really deeply personal planets. Really, um, really help to define the your personality. And then you have a bit more of the peripheral, um, like the teacher ones that are like Saturn and Jupiter. And then you have the more even further away ones, which are like Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And so just learning those, if you like were to understand the houses and what each house means, like the first one is about the body and the sense of self and the ego. The second house is about resources and, and sense of self-worth and um, money. You know, the third house is communication and community and your sisters and your brothers and your close network and onward all the way along. So if you were to memorize those 12 houses... And then learn about the planets and how each planet kind of has a personality. Like Saturn is a bit of a, a weighty, really strict, brings a lot of like presence and power, but will like kind of smack your butt and put you to task. Big well, daddy energy. Totally. Big <laughs> 100%. Um, well, like... You know, Uranus is more of the like the unknown. He's the the wild card, the like the energy that comes into your life and like you know anything that you thought was for sure a hundred percent like 
set in stone. Uranus comes in and like kind of puts you through a whirlwind for positive and negative. Who knows? You know, you never know. Anytime you see Uranus somewhere in 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 like in someone's chart, really strongly aspected, or if someone's going through a Uranus cycle, which I currently am, which is been pretty wild you kind of have to be like well we'll see like there's kind of like this unknown element of like who knows yeah mm-hmm. so yeah you kind of like learn about the houses and you learn about the planets and then and then from there you can like look at your chart and be like ah oh, I have like tomorrow I'm looking at your chart right now you know you have your Venus in Taurus in the ninth house so Venus is like you know, your sense of one way of seeing it is that as a woman, you would perceive your Venus as a way that you experience or express your feminine nature and where you feel the most like you can really embody yourself as a woman um, based on what's happening in your chart in relation to your Venus. And so you have Venus in the ninth house in Taurus. So ninth house is, is um, you know, wisdom and knowledge and study, but also like wide travel that you might actually experience yourself as a woman through the more like wide vistas you explore. And the more that you learn and you understand, there's something that ignites in you in that way because of being in the ninth house and what that represents. But then it being in Taurus is going to be the filter of the Taurian filter, which is also very sensual and loves to be like tactile and wants to be touched and held. Like your language, your love language is probably touch. You know, yes. you, <laughs> yeah, you and you probably love gardens and, um, you know, anything sensual, anything tactile, anything full of beauty. You want lusciousness, you know, mm. the. Um, that's that. That's one way of of perceiving yourself. Am I am I am I hitting the mark? Totally. Actually, <laughs> so funny. Like in the introduction for the podcast, mm-hmm. I I reference luscious womanhood. Oh, wonderful! Well, that's because you're <laughs> a Venus and Taurus. <laughs> that is it. And but not every. And this is also a really interesting thing. Is like as you start to learn about the different parts of your chart, you're like, oh yes, that's totally me. And then you learn like somebody who has like Taurus and Gemini or sorry, Taurus, Gemini, either Venus and Gemini will experience themselves as a woman completely different. They're mm. probably not going to be really interested in like luscious, sensual, whatever. Like the Venus and, and Gemini person is very playful and very cerebral and needs to kind of play the field and try new things. And they're more likely to want to try things like polyamory or to try to, they probably date a lot of people before they actually find somebody that feels like they want to spend their life with, you know, uh, Venus and and Gemini will require a lot of like communication and a lot of like chats. And they probably talk a lot after bed, (laughs) being in bed together, you know, like that's a way that they can experience themselves. Not always. It also depends on what other things are happening in your chart. But um, so it's really interesting where like when we learn about one part of ourselves in our chart, we realize that what might have been like, oh, all women need lusciousness. All women need sensuality. And it's just like, well, no, actually, this is what my, myself as a woman needs. So what does like what, what where, where are the Venuses in all of my friends charts, I wonder? 
and like how do they experience themselves as a woman and how can they express themselves and feel like really empowered, really embodied um, as the woman that they are. It's really fascinating to see it that way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love getting my hands on the chart of mm-hmm. everyone that I care about yeah. <laughs> because I just, I love like getting to see that it's almost like this blueprint and it's like, okay, wow. So much information and then kind of piecing together what I know about astrology, which is like gradually increasing, but I really, it's been slow. Yeah. yeah, to really just look at it and be like, wow, yeah, I really recognize that about them. And that really teaches me something about like who they are on a deeper level. Yeah. And it's, yeah, there's like so much to learn with astrology, but it's also you can get a long way with just a little bit of information. And I find that so like exciting. Absolutely. I totally agree. Okay. So next step. So, so far we've learned the houses and then we've learned the planets. Next step for those of you who want to learn, I would suggest then you start to learn things that are called aspects. So this is, this is what I'm currently, this is like my edge of growth. Yeah. And so aspects are like the way, so if you look at a chart, it looks like a pie and then you have these different symbols in different parts of the chart and different like pie pieces. And then there will be all these that like usually red or blue lines between the symbols and those uh, represent the aspects. So there's all sorts of aspects. You can get really nitpicky about like very, you know, you know, yeah, I'm going to speak to like the important four some, some, some schools only talk about three aspects, but I'm going to include the trine and maybe the sextile also. But like the ones that you are really, specifically when you're experiencing a transit, so that's when one planet that's currently in the sky is activating one of your like pie pieces, one of your little symbols in the pie piece. Um, you know, that it's, it's like, a, it's called a transit. So something in the sky is transiting or aspecting something in your natal, so your birth chart. Um, and for, for that, you generally want to look... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I just want to like make sure that it's super, super clear because I know it can be so confusing. No. So, okay, so, so a transit is when like something's going on in the sky right, right now. now. Like say yes. if we're looking at a current transit, something's yes. going on up there in the stars right yes. now. And mm-hmm. we want to see how it directly interacts with our personal yes. natal chart. Correct. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that, 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 that's a transit, um, which I might have like jumped ahead by talking about that because I really want to let you look at, like teach you how to like look at your own chart, but we'll speak to a transit. So yeah, transits are like when you're looking at the things that are happening in the sky and um, seeing how it, it affects your personal chart. And with that, the three um, forms of aspects that are usually the strongest and the ones that you really want to look out for are one are called conjunctions. Mm-hmm. And that is where like the planet is on top of where your planet is. So if, if like, uh, like I'm currently experiencing a Uranus conjunct my Venus. So Uranus, the planet of like, the great wild unknown is right on top of my natal Venus of like my womanhood. I know it's exciting. 
It's really exciting. Who knows what's going to happen? I have no idea. <laughs> Talk to me a year from now. Who knows what my life will look like? Um, <laughs> uh, so that's a conjunction. So, okay. So in the stars, it looks like they're on top of each other. But in the chart, is it that they're next to each other? So it's, no, it'll look like it'll look like they're on top of each other because it's on your natal chart. So it's not like okay. my Venus isn't in Taurus right now. It's like, you know, um, like uh-huh. the, the transit versus like, um, so yeah, it's a, it, the, the, it's a transit as opposed to um, something actually happening. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. See, uh-huh. I'm getting confused. <laughs> I know, it's so, it's, I know. So for those of you listening, it's okay. If you're confused right now, all is well. Um, I'm going to simplify it one more time. Okay. So in the sky, there are things moving around, stars and planets doing their thing, having a dance in the sky, like the cosmic magic beings that they are. And um, as they hit certain points that when you were born, one of the planets happened to be, then it's called a transit to your natal chart. And the three ones that I want to talk about are conjunctions. That's when, like, again, the planet is on top of where that a certain aspect in your chart used to be. Yeah, okay. And it, it looks like it's outside of the chart when you look uh-huh. at Okay, yes. cool. Yes. That makes sense now. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then, so that's the, that's a conjunction. Uh, then you have an opposition. And that's when they're, like, exactly opposite of the pie. And then you have a square, and that's where it creates a 90-degree angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like then, you could draw like a, a right angle between yes. the thing transiting and yes. something in your natal chart. Correct. Yes. It's and very so with, mathsy. Very mathsy. So, very so mathematical. We'll, we'll get the math part out of the way. You can dive endlessly into it. A lot of people who love math really love astrology. That's one doorway into it. But mm-hmm. the, that's not the doorway that I love. The doorway that I love is more of like the, the realm of the mythic and the realm of the esoteric, which I will get to in just two seconds. Um, but it, it is kind of a really cool thing when you're able to like actually look at the aspects in your chart and things that are transiting, you know, because I was just talking about transits, but then when you're actually looking at your chart, you can see of like, ah, yes. It's like, so tomorrow for you, some aspects that you have in your chart are you have your moon conjunct your Mercury. So there's natural ability for you. So that's where like the moon and Mercury, when you were born, were very, very close together. They're only like, like four degrees away from each or five degrees away from each other. So that's, it's, it's a, a loose ish conjunction. It's not directly on top. They're not like at, at the exact same degree, but they're quite close. So it's considered a conjunction. You can also see it that there's like, I like to say that those two aspects in the planet were making love. Well, mm-hmm. in an opposition, they're having an argument. And in the square, they've like turned away from each other. They've got some serious work to do. You know, I'm joking, not joking. But like with your moon and your your Mercury in your natal chart as a conjunction, you can like that's a new like an even deeper way you can understand yourself if you have this natural ability to communicate and to voice um, the, your inner world, and that actually your inner world represented by your by the moon, like your unconscious, the deeper aspects of yourself, the way that you understand yourself, um, that it being able to be that you you will feel more like yourself and you'll feel more at peace within your own inner world when you're able to actually share and express 
um, in a very clear and very communicative way um, what your inner world is like. You know, so that's one way you can kind of a, a deepening of your understanding of yourself when you're looking at this chart. And so kind of just to kind of come back to now getting into more of the like the mythic and the esoteric aspects and like and kind of moving away from the math stuff, because that can be a lot. Um, but once you've like learned. So, again, so three steps that you can do to like learn how to read and look at your chart is understanding the houses, understanding the planets and then understanding aspects. And then when you look at your chart, you can be like, oh, look, there's this aspect of myself. Cool. How can I learn about that and know myself deeper? And where I find the charts super fascinating, going back to this like, you know, um, analogy of the uh, architecture, the map of the architecture of the soul, is we can see it as like in this architecture, you've got all sorts of snakes and ladders all sorts of things where like you might have a propensity to kind of fall in this area of your life or here you have a natural gift or here you have a, a quality that will help you or here you have a quality that maybe you need to work on. And that if it is like, I don't like to think of it as bad or negative or like you're doomed or, you know, any of that, but rather when you start to learn about yourself, you learn about ways that you can navigate this crazy thing we call life and um, make different kinds of decisions or, or maybe just understand why we make decisions the way that we do instead of, you know, um, leaving it into the unconscious realms or as Carl Jung famously says, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will rule our life and we will call it fate. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes, instead of trying to look at it, I want to know the future. It's just like, well, can we know ourselves? Mm-hmm. And when we know ourselves and we know our souls and we know what we're here to do and why, which, you know, the the chart can really help us with, um, and the unknown becomes exciting rather than like this terrible, ominous, foreboding thing that we have to put into a box as quickly as possible. Yeah. And you were excited. Mm -hmm. You know, you're excited about your Uranus, Uranus, Venus thing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we felt it. Yeah, <laughs> I am. It's, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get, yeah, to get nerdy about my own chart. So uh, Uranus is going like back and forth. So I have both my North node, which I'm going to talk about a great deal in a moment. I know that you want to talk about them. So we'll talk about those. Um, but my North node and my Venus are like within, within four degrees of each other. Oh my gosh. And so Uranus is, is already past my North Node once, and it's now just almost like in the next week, it's going to be directly on top of my Venus. And then Uranus is going to go retrograde, oh and so it's going to go back over, and then it's going to go over again once it goes direct. And then I think it does that to like a total of five times. It goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. No. So this next year is going to be like like a wild one for me. You know, wow. the North yeah wow indeed like who knows I have no idea oh my gosh mm-hmm. I feel like kn- like knowing ourselves like getting to know ourselves more deeply for me anyway it's brought so much freedom yeah totally. and I I feel so much more comfortable um actually in relationship with others mm. because I feel like I'm so much clearer about who I am and mm-hmm. what I need. 
and what mm-hmm. I want and what's important. And I think before things used to feel so much more watery and flowy and open and let's see and let's feel. And, and now I'm like, yeah, let's feel, but <laughs> these are the parameters. Like I know, I know what I need and it gives so much spaciousness just to know. Yeah, and I experience like in relationship with others it also brings others relief Mm. they're like wow you you really know like what you need and what you want and I yeah that's why I support so much almost anything that supports us with our inner work and, and helps us get to know each other and ourselves Yes. Oh, I love that. 100%. And I'm curious, Tamar, like, because we did that reading together. Um, I did a reading for you last week. And I would love to hear, like, you know, I know that there's things that you wanted to dive into more in this conversation. I would love to hear from you of like, from the reading, what did you really get out of it that really helped you in this way? And like the ways that you're speaking and um, just maybe it might help the people listening to understand what why this might help them and what your experience was and in what way maybe some of the things that we talked about I can really make sure I speak to mm-hmm. okay now I need to like cast my mind back <laughs> to our reading yeah mm-hmm. like what I'm really remembering mm-hmm was like the emphasis that you shared and it's it's fascinating because it actually really relates again to this like embodied mystic thing mm-hmm. um and so what you were sharing with me and just really emphasizing is about how the embodied the grounded the sensual the tactile is really what I know and where mm-hmm. my foundation is yes. um and how I am moving on my soul's journey deeper into the mystic and, you know, the high priestess archetype and the shaman and, and how life is going to encourage me and also push me (laughs) (laughs) if I don't follow Mm -hmm. that. Um, And yeah, you just really sharing about how that will intensify Mm-hmm. for me like that felt that felt fascinating sure. for me and I kind of didn't expect it in a way okay um yeah so that journey is so I was talking about the north nodes which is what you're speaking of right now and if you look on your chart um it'll look like the north node will look like kind of like a upside down horseshoe or like a like a horseshoe that's like the, the the circle part is pointing up and it's got and the 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 two pointy parts towards the bottom with two little circles at the end i don't know how else to describe it that's like the north node so when you're looking at a chart you can find that out and the nodes are they're not actual planets or they are calculated points based on the movement of the new the moon the ecliptical of the moon and so eclipses um, that happen every year will happen in relation to where the nodes are. So this mm-hmm. as a way of kind of understanding it a little bit. And the North Node is sort of like the 
direction that your your soul has chosen to move towards, to learn from, to and uh, grow into in this lifetime. Well, your south node is what's familiar. You've kind of done you've done that work. You like it's not something that you need to let go of. It's not something you need to necessarily shed, but rather it's like a comfortable pair of shoes that you can always go back to and use if necessary. But it's time to actually. Um, put on a different jacket now it's time to put on a different pair of boots and like learn how to walk in a different way Um, and you know just to use your own chart for example um, you have your your south node is in Taurus and your north node is in Scorpio and I love that because me and you have the exact opposite like my north node is in Taurus and my south node is in Scorpio which is really funny how we've both named our own projects embodied mystics and the embodied mysticism because it's quite literally like that is the Taurus uh, Scorpio access so the nodes always happen in the opposite sign so it's like in opposition so it'll be um you know Aries Libra Libra, and Taurus and Scorpio Gemini Sagittarius and onwards all the way back so it's like uh, yeah in in opposition opposition to each other and each of those axes kind of you can look at your rising sign and your descendant so your rising is the the point on the horizon that was um rising on the horizon the moment you were born and your descendant is what was kind of going below the horizon line. And that access is a really telltale sign of like what you're looking for in partnership. And it's considered mm-hmm. like a very powerful indicator of the kind of like partnership that you're really looking for. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating also. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different ways of like, you know, understanding, understanding that. So it's not just that you can't just look at like, Oh, my descendant is in this. Therefore, this is the kind of partnership I want. Like, well, no, you also need to look at where's your Venus, what's happening in your fourth house, what's happening in your seventh, you know, Mm -hmm. do you have some unresolved issues in different part of your chart that you need to fix first before you can enter partnership. There's lots of these, like, like a jigsaw puzzle sometimes, you know? Um, Yeah. But the nodes, like I find I always look at like certain points when I'm reading somebody's chart as a way of understanding, okay, so here's their they're on the great journey, their their hero's journey in this lifetime. You know, and here is the map, the map of their soul's journey that they need to like sort out. And like there's certain things, certain transits that happen in life, like your Saturn return, mm-hmm. and then you have your um your nodal return, your north node return, you have Pluto square, you have Uranus opposition, you have these key pieces that happen along uh, in a person's life that kind of like activate certain parts of your charts, like you're kind of forced to deal with your shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Is Saturn return the first one um, or not no, necessarily? Not necessarily, but that's the first mm-hmm. one that people usually really feel deeply. There's definitely like the before your Saturn return and then your after. And you might not even feel it. Like for me in my Saturn return, I didn't feel it. I didn't notice it. I wasn't like, oh, like I'm really in the thick of it right now. Um, It actually happened quite gracefully for me. But I can look back now and see, whoa, that Mm -hmm. time was massively transformative. And there was the me before. And then my life completely transformed afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's one of those major points because in your 20s, you're doing so much like evolution and your trials and errors and, you know, all of that. So Saturn comes around and kind of puts you to task a little bit in your Saturn return. Yeah, I'm there now. Yes, you are. 
you are getting there. It's getting really like super, super close. So you're like one degree off looking at your own. Yeah. Less than that. Like it's happened for you, darling. You you were in it. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but with our North node and our South node, like it's, it's, you know, always a fascinating thing to look at and look at where, where it is in your chart. So it's like the sign, but then also the house, um, Mm. that will make a big impact. What, what other planets are around it? What was having, what, what is What are the nodes having a conversation with in terms of other things happening in your chart? It's really like a fascinating thing. And, And I find, um, like for me is one of those really significant things that teaches you like, if you're not living in accordance to what your your soul is meant to learn in this lifetime, then like you, you might have a hard time in other aspects, not always, but like you're definitely like your North notice is a symbol of, of um, the leading edge of evolution that you're here to do. And so if you're in resistance to that, it's like, you know, it's going to be difficult but when you kind of like learn about what 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 am I here to evolve into? What are some of the the things, the lessons I'm here to learn, and the the tools I'm here to develop? And you're looking at your chart, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, here's this difficult thing in my chart. I got Chiron doing this thing, or Pluto doing that thing, and that's really challenging. But I can see that it's actually it's a teacher, you know. And that's one thing that I like to see of, of some of these planets is even the more difficult ones like people love to hate on pluto people love to hate on saturn because they're difficult they're like big maha teachers big mega heavy lifting teachers like you go through a pluto transit that's like death death and rebirth there that's transformation Mm -hmm. that is reclaiming power when you've lost it that is anana going into the underworld and arising once again that is you know a massive journey um but instead of seeing it as like this, this like ominous dark force that is doing bad things to you, rather that they are teachers here to activate things in you so that you can evolve, that you can grow, you know, and whether it's one versus the other, like we can talk about, you know, is life um, predestined or do we have any sort of agency That's a deep question to ask, especially for those that are interested in divination and understanding the journey of life. Um, And I am definitely beyond the scope of what we can cover in this, this conversation. But one thing that I can say for sure is that even if everything is predestined and we've got zero agency, where we can find control, where we can find it like a, an semblance of, um, uh, of agency is when we choose to see things in the way that we choose to perceive things. Hmm. So, you know, you can choose to see Saturn and Pluto as these big bad bullies, or you can choose to see them as teachers that help you to evolve. And when you choose that perspective, it like, hmm. yeah, it, it, it's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it connects for me to this, like, um, mindset that is like the guru is everywhere it's like open your eyes the guru is everywhere the teacher is everywhere like life is always um like trying to penetrate us with knowledge and wisdom and insight and growth and sometimes just 
seeing that and surrendering to that is the most challenging thing Mm -hmm. for a lot of people I think Mm -hmm. yeah Um, one tool that I that I've learned that helps me a great deal is that thank you is the answer to everything and that especially when I'm in the thick of a massive piece of transformation or evolution or a dark night of the soul or a moment where I feel like my life is crumbling, if I'm able to find a space where I can drop down to my knees and just say, you know, thank you for my life. Thank you for life. Thank you for my life. I'm so glad I'm alive. I'm so glad I'm in a body. I'm so glad for the sun and the moon. I'm so glad that I get to drink this coffee and that I get to, you know, listen to the sound of rain outside my window. And that when I'm able to drop into that space of saying thank you for the things that are easy to say thank you for, you know, that it ends up being a doorway where like I can start to say thank you to these teachers. Thank you to this challenge. Thank you to this pain. Thank you to this moment of of crises that I can make choices that are more in alignment with integrity or more in alignment with um, compassion. You know, I'm able to develop skills like discernment and forgiveness. You know, that thank you, life. Thank you, life. Thank you to all of life, the whole of life. It's so messy and it's so painful sometimes and it's so beautiful and it's so tragic and it makes no sense, but holy... Holy mother ever, is it ever exquisite. Thank you, life. And so I come again and again, and I bow again and again to the rivers and the trees and the stars and the sky. And I bow to this earth and I say, thank you. Thank you to this life. And I find that when I am able to, that this this tool, this tool of, of thank you um, is the, like, most profound source of resilient aliveness strength and like sanctuary that I can find Mm -hmm. beautiful and Mm -hmm. that for me is embodied mysticism Mm -hmm. 100% yeah Mm. And that's the key, you know, like we look to the stars and we read our charts and we ask our questions and we pull our, pull our cards. Um, but ultimately, what it, you know, truthfully, tomorrow, what it all brings me back down to is like letting me worship life, mm-hmm. you know, and we've all gone through difficult times. I know I have things that I wish were another way wish of things I could change and I can look in the world in these times right now and ask why and, and it can be hard it can hard to fight to feel like empowered it can hard to feel like like there's hope mm. mm-hmm. I think that to be embodied mystics means that we have to be willing to ask those deeper questions of why and what for, to ask the deeper questions of, you know, who do we call out to when the night is dark and our hearts are in pain. And we develop relationships with with the stars or with spirit or with God 
with our ancestors. We build these relationships. We call out and we ask the questions. But then we draw it back down into how we live. Mm. We allow it to knit its way, that wisdom and that understanding, that that luminosity that comes from that mystic state that rapturous state that trance-like state that we can enter when we end when we walk through the doors of the temple of life into the great mystery we like we pull threads of that luminosity and we weave them into our blood and bones we sing them through our songs we um we pour them into our food and how we love each other and and this is what gives me hope Mm. And this is what gives me a sense of power in turbulent times. Mm. And um, mm. so I, yeah. you know, astrology is not just for self-help and not just for, you know, fluffy, you know, fluffy stuff. It can be, a, <laughs> it can be a deep source of, um, of sanctuary, of empowerment, and of of prayer, ultimately. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful! I feel my womb, like I I feel like I'm about to get my period, like right now. <laughs> Just from listening, my womb is like ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The priestess is speaking. <laughs> Silence, please. <laughs> Go to bed and rest. (laughs) (laughs) So, so so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you know, seeing as our nodes are reversed, so your south node is in Scorpio Mm -hmm. and your north node is in Taurus. So that's like your your previous experience has been more scorpionic so more about like the underworld and the transformational and going yeah going into the dark to find the gold Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah yeah, now you're moving towards or like your soul is pointing you in a direction that's more easeful Mm-hmm. and slow and connected to the body yeah, um, yeah. And how is that for you like how how's that journey been and what's helped you that's a great question um yeah well definitely like I and I've got I've got it was called a stellium in Scorpio so a stellium is when three or more major things um, are in either one sign or one house or both. So I have um, a lot of stuff happening in Scorpio. So and most of it is are points that speak to so, like uh, past lives. Sometimes you can look at your moon, and your moon gives you some indication of like your past life. Same with Pluto, and same with the South Node. It, in in different schools of, of astrology, depending on who you're talking to. Um, and all three of them plus, plus Saturn are in Scorpio for me. So I have this heaviness there and, and it is a heaviness because like Pluto is conjunct my moon, which is Pluto conjunct moon in Scorpio. Anyone who knows astrology hears that and they're like, Oosh! 
you know, <laughs> we're like, oh, you know, um, it's a heavy one. So having all this Scorpio, so it's like this natural propensity for me to go into like depth. And you can even look at my career, for example, and, you know, I just had my nodal return. I'm just, and just finishing on my birthday, which is in two weeks from now, where your north node goes back to its original position when you were born. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, before I forget. Yeah. Um, and so nodal return is kind of like, you're nor- it's, it's a very beneficial transit. It's one where you're like, woohoo! Like this is where blessings and boons and like you kind of having like a chiropractor um, appointment for your, your destiny sort of deal. And how I've ex- kind of experienced it is like in my career for years and years and years, I worked um, as a somatic therapist in a trauma center. I was also teaching uh, yoga at studios and I had my own business running retreats and I did all this esoteric work um, in my own, in my own as a, as a private practice. And, um, and, but yeah, for years and years and not just like, like there's, there's, there's trauma with a lowercase T and then there's trauma with a big T, you know, mm-hmm. I worked a lot with trauma with a big T. So some pretty severe mental health issues and, um, you know, uh, extreme, extreme stuff. Mm. Um, um, and I, it was something that came very naturally to me. And I would literally be able to hold people in my arms as they like in the most extreme experiences. And there was, very little that a person um like I, I actually I can't think of anything that a person can tell me that I would not be able to to be there with them mm. and, you know I'm, my capacity to do that work is quite deep and profound and um but what I found in the journey of moving towards my my north node where like you know learning that not everything that's deep needs to be dark totally and not everything that is profound has to be heavy and has to have like a a massive trial form of initiation Mm. to it Mm -hmm. that actually for for me what I've learned when it comes to stepping into my moratorian north node is that sometimes depth is radiant and sometimes initiation can be through joy. And um, what I am finding is, is like, actually, um, I'm becoming an artist. And next week, I'm, I've been invited to do live painting at an event with, you know, several hundred people there. And we bring, bringing one of my paintings. And paintings is something that I've just started doing in the last couple of years, just during the pandemic when I couldn't work. And I would just sit at home looking at, at the jungle here in Bali and I would paint and now it's starting to come through and I'm learning music and I'm spending time in nature and it's more of like my path is like the depth and being able to navigate darkness is something that I will always have and always be able to do and always I can something I can draw from but um, I even had one of my mentors recently say Krista no more trauma work like you've paid your dues like it's not, not your job anymore. Like, yes, if people that you, the students that come to you and the people that are like clients that you, you know, they have trauma, then you having those tools to help them with that wonderful, but your path now is different. Now you're walking a path of beauty. Now you're here to walk a path of, of yeah, the beauty way. 
Um, and for you, it's not like you're going to be that, that sense of like sensuality and slowness and lusciousness and beauty and love of connection to the body and, and, um, nature and pleasure. It's not like you're going to have to leave that behind I could in order for you to feel your destiny. <laughs> well, no, you couldn't. How could you? It's like no. cutting off an arm. How could you possibly? No. So yeah, it'll always be like a part of who you are and a part of how you um, operate through life. But it's, it, it won't be your modus operandi. It'll be a place that you can naturally draw from and that your work is actually to edge into a place of like power. You know, Scorpio really is the, the sign of power and of transformation and of evolution and of the esoteric and the great unknown. And um, that's, that will be told for you through this, this like recognition. The, the gecko, well, the gecko is agreeing. He's agreeing. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. So yeah, the this, this Scorpio and Taurus axis. So it's, I really love how we actually have the opposite. It's like I'm able to embody something that you're edging into and you're able to, to embody something that I'm edging into that it's a really beautiful way of like um, we have like things to learn from each other and then things that we can, um, you know, help each other with, which is such a beautiful thing. Hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. I, it's it's just been so fascinating to have this conversation and yeah like notice the symmetry and then the symmetry with the embodied mystic stuff and how mm -hmm. that so perfectly maps onto the Taurus Scorpio axis and I feel for anyone listening to this podcast and if you've listened to the other episodes like these are energies that are very much present here like this is what we're talking about it's this kind of stuff and Scorpio is also sex mm -hmm. oh, sex 100%. and the soul and death and the taboo and we love yes. it we yes uh-huh <laughs> and really fascinating for you Tamar just to bring your own chart back into it again is um so Pluto also kind of indicates a sort of past life Thing. And Pluto, if you have a strong Pluto, anything in your chart, you have a Scorpio-ish kind of quality to your chart. And for you, your Pluto is conjunct your North Node, which is fascinating because that kind of indicates that not only is this something that you're meant to step into in this lifetime, but it's also like you are going back to complete something that you've done before. So this is not your first time kind of in the, the the stepping into the Scorpio realms. It's something that you actually are familiar with, but you're here in this lifetime to uh, reclaim a piece of power that perhaps you have, you need to like sharpen again, or there's a piece that you've forgotten in another part of your life. And um, so it's a fascinating thing. So it's an extra element of, of power and transformation to your North Node. It's mm. like a very powerful and uh, transformative aspect in your chart, for sure. You know, you totally read my mind, mystic style, because um, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, I mean, this will probably be one of the last questions. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about like past life stuff and 
Where in the chart can we get hints about that for those who believe in it? I totally believe in it. So I'm mm. asking this question for those who do and feel yeah. excited. Yeah. Um, so again, like the three points that usually have some glimmer of uh, past life information is uh, your south node, Pluto, and your moon. So mm. it's it's um, kind of ways that you can kind of you know, there's one school that says like your moon is, so your south node is kind of like the, um, um, the, the tribe that you used to be in in your past life and that your moon was the, was was the job that you had in that tribe, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, that's one way of seeing it. And Pluto usually indicates like Pluto very much is about karma so if there is, that's why I said when I'm like your North Node being conjunct your Pluto, there's some sort of past life karma of uncompletion um, that is going to be resolved through this lifetime of you stepping more into your North Node, more into your Scorpio like essence. And that through that, you'll reclaim a lot of lost power because Pluto is also always about power, power and karma, death transformation you know, all, all of that beautiful, awesome Scorpio stuff. Um, and you have, you know, your moon in Aries and it's trying both Pluto and your, um, no, no, just Pluto, your North nodes there too, but mostly trying your Pluto. And so a trine, so that's, that's another aspect. So I, I said the three of like conjunction, opposition and a square, and those are usually the strongest. Um, and then there's more easeful ones, um, like a trine and a sextile and a semi-sextile and onwards were more math stuff. So we won't worry about it too much, but trines are also, um, they're very beneficial. They usually like that, that aspect is like the two planets are sort of like helping each other. They're giving each other some like good information, which I find, um, you know, I have um, my Mars in Cancer and my Moon in Scorpio, and Mars hates being in Cancer, and Moon does not like being in Scorpio. But for me, my Moon and my Mars are trying each other, so I kind of see it as like they're in each other's opposite signs because Moon actually belongs to Cancer and Mars belongs to Scorpio, at least in tr- at least traditionally. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're now in the, in the opposite signs, but they're mm. trying each other. So they're just like teaching each other. They're helping each other out, yeah. you know? Totally. And for you, yeah. So your moon is, is trying your Pluto. So your moon again also has this sort of like past life um, quality to it. And it's like kind of helping out. Like you're, it's like maybe a Pluto, one way if you want to create a story around it, who knows if it's true, but one way you can kind of create a story around it is that your Pluto indicate some like a, a heavier piece of karma that you really have to complete, especially because it's your North node. Um, but your, your, a recent life, you know, a more recent life than the heavy karma um, one, which indicated by your moon, your moon in Aries is kind of giving you the, like the Aries quality, fire, passion, pass, uh, power, um, warrior like energy that will help to give you the qualities that you need so that you can actually complete the unfinished karma that you've got mm-hmm. going on with Pluto conjunct your North node. Um, so yeah, if, if you're interested, those listening, I would say, yeah, your moon, Pluto and South node are really, um, powerful things to kind of look at when trying to understand, uh, mm-hmm. your charts and past life stuff, which is super fascinating. 
so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And oh my gosh, it's just been awesome. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're such a treasure trove of wisdom, truly. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. Ah, I've loved it. I've loved chatting with you. And yeah, for those who are curious to get to know you and your work more, who want to work with you, where can we find you? Um, well, I think Instagram is usually the best. Um, my handle is Krista Marie Star, Star with two R's. Um, and yeah, I'll have some like online course happening soon with more of more like wisdom studies and not necessarily astrology based. I might have a tarot course coming out in the next mm-hmm. like six months. I'm still developing mm-hmm. it, but I would love to get that out so that people mm-hmm. have a way of uh, learning tarot because it's another one of my mm-hmm. favorite modalities. Um, yes. And then I have like, um, I have a university degree. I went to university. I have a degree in philosophy and I have studied mm-hmm. different forms of esoteric and orthodox religion and spirituality for most of my life. Um, and so I've got like a wisdom course coming out called the well of wisdom. That's just like these uh, deep, deep esoteric and life teachings that help us to navigate things. So you can kind of look out for that. And aside from that, yeah, you can reach out to me through Instagram to book a session or a reading or, um, you know, follow, follow me on there. And I've got lots of, I usually post different things about whether it's just inspired writing or some form of teaching. <laughs> hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Krista comes as such a highly recommended tarot reader as well. I feel like that's how I first came to know you but I feel like we knew each other through the community but yeah I've I've recommended people to you for tarot and they've loved Mm. it yeah it's a powerful tool I love it too and Mm. you're powerful as well tell the Scorpio (laughs) it's all that Scorpio baby I love it well thank you (laughs) so much Krista you're so welcome Mar. You're listening to the Embodied Mystic Podcast. Thank you for being here and for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it could serve you in some way. I'd love to hear from you. My inbox is always open. Let me know what spoke to you in this episode and if there was a moment that that you up or brought you into deeper self-reflection. If you loved this episode, I'd be super grateful if you took a moment to leave a review or share with a friend. You can do this easily by visiting the link in the show notes. It's been a real, real pleasure connecting with you today and I'll see you soon.